Good afternoon. I am recording from bed because it's like four degrees in our house because my mom has hot flashes and she doesn't care that we have frostbite. Um, you're going to be able to hear this irritating ass clock tick, tick, ticking in the back. And since I'm not getting out of bed underneath from underneath the covers, I'm sorry. Tough luck. Anyways, it is I, your gracious host, Caitlin. Oh, hey. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And thank you for being here. And if you've listened before, welcome. And thank you for dealing with my shit. Um, since I'm already late um, making, recording, editing, and posting this episode, um, because I moved back from New Orleans this week, um, I'm not going to have a recipe for this week. I'm just going to talk about like somewhere that I ate while I was in New Orleans, and it's called Wake and Bacon, and even though they texted me and told me my order was ready, and I got there, and my order was not ready, it was still really freaking good. Um, I got a breakfast bowl with grits, scrambled eggs, bacon, and cheese. Mmm, feel it scrumptious. So good. So I would recommend if you are ever in uptown New Orleans to give it a try. I'll post a picture of it and tag them. It's really fucking good. Um, so yeah, that's about it recipe wise. Um, I know I'm kind of slacking this week and now that I'm actually back home, I really don't want to do anything except lay in bed all the time because I'm not forced to get up and go to two jobs every day. And because I have the distraction of my dog and my sister and my friends and shit. But I will, I will get back on track. So let's get into our crimes for this week. Since next week is Christmas, we are going to do Christmas crimes. Super original, if you ask me. Um, the details are this. The Covina Massacre is going to be the first case that we cover. Um, it occurred on December 24, 2008 in Covina, which is a city in the suburbs of L.A. At approximately 11.30 p.m., Bruce Jeffrey Pardo, which just sounds like a serial killer name. Um, well, no, serial killer, I think, is when you kill multiple people, but at different times. I think a mass murder is when you kill a bunch of people at once, so it sounds like a mass murderer name. But anyway, Bruce Jeffrey Pardo dressed up in a Santa Claus suit. He knocked on the door of his former in-law's home, occupied with about 25 people, with a gift-wrapped package. And you'll never guess what was in this package. Was it an actual gift? Negative. It was a homemade flamethrower. He had that in one hand and a semi-automatic handgun in the other hand. And he also had three additional semi-automatic handguns in his possession. So you're probably wondering, what the hell's going on? Why does he have a homemade flamethrower and all these guns? Well, when the door opened, Pardo fired his handgun at an eight-year-old girl as she ran to greet him. He shot her in the face. He's garbage. He then fired indiscriminately at the partygoers, so the police speculated that Pardo may have stood over and just blatantly executed some of the people using the other handguns, which is just terrible. Um, after the shootings, Pardo unwrapped 
the package in which was a homemade flamethrower and use it to spray racing fuel gasoline all over the house and then set it on fire. So nine people died. Nine of the 25 died from either gunfire or the flames. Three others were wounded. The eight-year-old girl who got shot in the face, she thankfully lived. Um, she had severe injuries, but they weren't life-threatening to her. So that's actually, you know, one of the better things that came out of this. Um, a 16-year-old girl who was shot and wounded in the back, and a 20-year-old woman who suffered a broken ankle jumping out of the second-floor window. That's me. I'd have risked it, and if my leg or something would have broke, I'd have just dragged myself out of there. So there was one survivor who called the feds during the attack after they escaped to a neighbor's house. So the resulting fire took, um, it was approximately 40 to 50 feet, and it took 80 firefighters an hour and a half to extinguish, which now that I'm thinking about it doesn't sound as bad, because now I'm thinking of like, um, if you've ever heard of like the Sodder children and how they went missing and how their house caught on fire and burned for like hours and hours and hours and it took forever for it to get put out. This seems like a little less time. Um, but due to the intensity of the fire, the only way they could identify the victims was by referencing their dental records. That's, you know, that's bad because it takes teeth a really, really high temperature to like um they don't necessarily burn i think they like burst i think like the pulp inside gets hot and the teeth just burst um but i think it's a pretty high temperature maybe something like 2000 degrees i don't know i'll get back to y'all on that but that's horrible that is horrible that these bodies are so burned and charred that the only way you could identify them was through dental records um, after the attack, Pardo put on his street clothes and drove his Dodge Caliber rental car to his brother's house in Silmar, about um, 30 miles away from the crime scene. He was later found dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound, which, coward, you go and you just brutally murder all these people, shoot this little girl in the face, um, set the house ablaze, and then you go and kill yourself because you don't want to deal with the aftermath of what happened. If it was going to be all this, you should have just killed yourself from the jump. It was initially believed that he intended to flee to Canada by plane because he had an airline ticket um, on a flight with Air Canada. But he got burned really badly in the, um, the fire. Like, he got, I want to say, third-degree burns. So, I think that you know, kind of held him back from making that flight. Um, the flight from L.A. to Illinois. Oh, no, they thought it was a flight to Canada, but instead it was from L.A. to Illinois, which, what was he going to do in Illinois? I don't know. But he had called days before to tell his high school friends that he was planning to visit. Oh, that's what he was going to do. But the investigators are unsure if he intended to go or if the flight was to fool investigators, you know, to kind of throw them off the track whenever they came and, you know, um, or retracing his steps. But he had visited the friend before in October 2008. 
But like I said, he suffered severe third-degree burns, which, good. On his arms, from stemming from the blades, he decided to go against the initial plan. So perhaps he wasn't going to kill himself and he was just going to try to escape and maybe go start a new life somewhere else. But since, you know, a wrench got thrown in his plans, I'm sure he wasn't expecting to get all these burns. Um, probably very debilitating, limited what he was allowed to do and couldn't necessarily go to the hospital because the police were after him at this point. He had to improvise. Um, the police found $17,000 in cash, cling wrapped on his legs, inside a girdle, and his rental car that had been parked one block from his brother's house, which had been rigged by remnants of his Santa suit that would ignite a flame and detonate the car with black powder if it was removed. Crazy. They also recovered from the scene four 13-round capacity handguns that were each empty and at least 200 rounds of ammunition. So, um, since what was inside the car is being treated as a threat, the bomb squad fired a device into it, destroying and burning it. At Pardo's house in Montrose, the police discovered five empty boxes for semi-automatic handguns, two shotguns, and a container for high-octane fuel tank gasoline. So, at least three of the victims' deaths were caused by gunshot wounds alone, while four others died from a combination of gunshot wounds and fire. And the two other deaths stemmed from just the fire. So, the victims were Sylvia Ortego Pardo, who is Jeffrey's ex-wife, Alicia Ortego, who is Sylvia Pardo's mother, Joseph Ortega, who was Sylvia Pardo's father, Charles Ortega, Sylvia's brother, Cherry Ortega, Charlie's wife, James Ortega, Sylvia's other brother, Teresa Ortega, James's wife, Alicia Ortega Ortiz, who was Sylvia's sister, and Michael Ortiz, who was Sylvia's nephew. Now, the motive speculated that um, the motive of the attack was related to marital problems. You know, I have a, I know a lot of people who have marital problems, and um, their initial fix to those problems is not to go kill their spouses or ex-spouses' entire family. Anyways, his wife of one year had settled for a divorce in the prior week. However... Pardo held no criminal record and had no history of violence. So what? Those are often the ones who go crazy and go shoot up 20-something people. He had been fired from his job as an electrical engineer at ITT Electronic Systems, Radar Systems. Why so many systems? In July. So there's some speculation that the divorce had been caused by Pardo concealing a child that he had from a previous relationship, but there's no solid evidence on this. And now that Sylvia has passed away, um, there may never be any solid evidence on this. But the child was severely injured in a swimming pool accident several years previous, so I guess they suspect that is part of the reason why um, he kind of kept the kid hidden away. Maybe he felt like it was too much trouble to take care of it, or he was embarrassed or ashamed or whatever. But there was no 
solid reasoning behind any of it. Um, the couple wed January 2006, but soon grew apart after their marriage. Sounds about right. When Mr. Pardo refused to open a joint account with Mrs. Pardo. He also expected Mrs. Pardo to take care of her own three children with her own finances. Now, let me just say this. If you marry someone else that has kids and you're not, you know, willing and prepared to love those kids as your own or take care of them as your own, then they are probably not the person for you. And if they choose you or their children, well, they're idiots too. Um, in June 2008, the divorce court had ordered Bruce Pardo to pay $1,785 a month in spousal support. During the divorce proceedings, Bruce had confided to a friend that his wife was taking him to the cleaners. In July, Mr. Pardo was fired for billing false hours and the court suspended his payments due to job hardship. So if he wasn't even paying her spousal support anymore, what were his panties in such a knot for? It's very confusing. If It was revealed that he had planned to kill his own mother after the massacre at Sylvia's home due to her sympathy for Sylvia during the divorce proceedings. I really don't blame his mom for feeling bad for Sylvia because he's hiding a child from you. He doesn't want to help you support, you know, your kids, which was part of the agreement whenever he decided to marry you. Fuck him. If I was the mom, I would have taken sympathy for the wife, too. Um, but he was required to pay Sylvia $10,000 as part of the divorce settlement, according to court documents. Sylvia kept the wedding ring and the family dog. I would not give up my dog, either. In a court declaration, Pardo complained that Sylvia was living with her parents, not paying rent, and had spent lavishly on a luxury car, gambling trips to Las Vegas, meals at fine restaurants, massages, and golf lessons. Okay, I, so? I don't see what the issue is. Because it's none of his business. You know, the courts granted her this. It's not like she was like, oh, you have to give me this. No. The court decided that as part of the settlement, he would have to give her $10,000. And he's mad about what she's spending it on. It's none of his business. So what if she's living rent-free? So what if she's gambling, buying luxury cars, eating nice meals, and getting massages? It sounds like he was a shysty, shitty person. Anyway, she probably needed that stress um, reliever after being married to him. But um, that, my friends, is the case of the Covina Massacre. And now, a word from our sponsors. Alright, second case coming at you. Still on the topic of Christmas crimes. This one is simply called, Who Was Snapchatting Me? <laughs> That's not the name of it. This one is simply called Christmas Robbery. This happened in Vandalia, Ohio. So, at one home in a Dayton, Ohio suburb, a man broke in and started to hang up Christmas decorations. The burglar was allegedly high off bath salts. Terry Trent, who was 44 years old, was arrested and charged with burglary last week in Vandalia. According to the station, an 11-year-old boy found Terry 
sitting on the couch after he had done some Christmas decorating around the house. Vandalia police said that Terry entered through one of the home's back doors and made himself comfortable, lighting candles on the coffee table and kitchen tables, as well as having the television's volume on, turned up very loud. Trent had also hung up a Christmas wreath on the back garage door. You know, I'd be extremely startled if I came home and found some random man sitting on my couch. But this man was in the spirit. He was in the Christmas spirit, and I really just can't be mad at him. So, (laughs) when discovering that Trent was watching television and playing with the boys' things, the 11-year-old boy called his mother, who was next door at the neighbor's house. My God. The mother told police that Terry attempted to be polite to the young boy. He was arrested without incident, but they found that he was carrying a pocket knife. He told the little boy, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. I'll get my things and go. This is sending me. Um, A man who worked with Terry described him as a very caring person involved with the Boy Scouts and local local church program to help convicted felons currently in prison, but he wasn't acting well that day. He was apparently mentally unstable. Police indicated that Terry, who was being held in Montgomery County Jail, has a history of drug charges. <laughs> so he wasn't necessarily a bad dude. He was just high on basalts and, I guess, thought that the family needed a little bit of Christmas cheer. So he just went, lit some holiday candles, probably put on the Grinch or Elf or something, was relaxing, watching a movie, hanging up wreaths, basically decorating for these people for free. And he even offered to get his things and leave whenever he got caught. Oh God, this is a story I'd expect right out of Florida, but no, right there in Ohio. Anyways, that was our second case for the week. Sorry, this is so sloppy and rushed. As I said, I just moved back from New Orleans. It's been a shit show. I'm in bed, freezing. Because my mom's having hot flash and she keeps it cold in here. Anyways, we have usually new episodes out every Friday at 12 a.m. Central Time. This was clearly not the case today because I am slacking. Recipes will be posted Friday on Instagram. Not this week, though. Um, Probably next Friday. I'm realizing it is kind of hard to keep up with a weekly podcast whenever you have so much shit going on, but I will make it work. If you like this episode, please, I beg of thee, leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes. I don't know if you can do it on Spotify or on Pandora on iHeartRadio or any of those other platforms that my podcast is on. But it's the best way to help get the word out about the show, which I would really appreciate, especially if you aren't able to um, donate on Patreon or anything. But if you would like to become a Patreon member, you can visit patreon.com slash with a side of crime and you'll have access to exclusive content and other fun things. Um, you can follow on Instagram at with a side of crime or on Facebook, and it has the same handle. Um, This has been With a Side of Crime. I am your host, Caitlin, and thank you for listening.